Okay, hello, welcome to tonight's show. Uh, it looks like we're still having connections issues, so this might be a YouTube-only later show and, and or on Spotify. For those of you that are watching this, uh, sorry if it's jumpy. At least you'll get to see it later. Catch up what you miss on YouTube or Spotify. All right, so welcome tonight. Uh, I am joined by a slew of guests. Uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a second. Uh, tonight's topic is uh, table rules outside the games we play. So we're going to be talking a lot about social cues and other non-system related rules that you might have at your house, the reasons for having them, all that kind of fun stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our two star guests and our regular community guests. So we're going to start ladies first. Liz, please to tell us who you are, what you do. Give us a little pitch about your stuffs. Hi, so I'm Dr. Liz Schuler, and I am a mind-body transformational coach. I work with people who want to create a better life for themselves, people who feel stuck, people who feel like they're not worth enough. Um, I'm there to help guide them and get them to the place that they really want to be. I currently live in Europe, but I've lived all over the world. I'm from Wyoming, small town. So I'm just here to have a good time and talk about social cues. Nice. Um, before we move on, do you have anything else you want to pitch talk? Anything about your business that you need to share with us? They should be excited for to hear more about at the end of the show. Yeah, I am on Insight Timer, which is a meditation app. It's completely free to use uh, for most of the features. So if you want to meditate or have, you know, a chill session where you can relieve some stress, I've got a bunch of meditations up there. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, jumping over to other star guests. JP, Mr. Marsh, fill us in. Who are What you do? My name is JP Marsh. I am a co-parenting relationship coach and advocate and speaker, uh, mostly for healthy co-parenting relationships. I'm a 40-year-old single girl dad and have gone from a place of super conflict to collaboration. Whereas we do the holidays together, do the school stuff, the sports stuff, the summer barbecues, me, her, her boyfriend, his family, and it's no big deal, which is less common than it should be, but it's a lot better of a situation for sure. Anxiety, stress, depression, you know, doesn't come into play as much for just constantly being at somebody's throat or raising your kids in an environment to be weapons or spies or uh, having to choose one or the other or listen to one constantly be negative towards the other and, and all that, all that good stuff. Fantastic. I think, I think you, you're going to have plenty of input on tonight's topic. So I'm super excited for it. And not, last but not least, Brandon, go ahead. Since this is your first time on the actual podcast, uh, go ahead. It's a quick intro, super fast. You get five words. No, just kidding. All right. Well, not as cool as these guys, but uh, no, quick intro. My name's Brandon Webb. I'm in Erie, PA. Um, originally from Florida. Moved up here a couple of years ago for my family, my daughter. Uh, I have been doing D&D and Pathfinder since I was eight years old. Uh, I used to be a D&D &D coach uh, for a long time, teaching new people how to come into the system and uh, walk them into it without them getting overwhelmed. Uh, and on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm a landscape business owner. So that's about it for me. 
Fantastic. Now we have all that information and we'll be on the interwebs forever. <laughs> okay, so let's get into tonight's topic. So we're going to first define what table rules are and what they're for, how they can be used, all that fun stuff, right? Um, and table rules is really just a catch-all for anything that isn't built into whatever manual that you are playing with. So depending on the system that you're playing, uh, the people you're playing with, it can change from table to table, even with the same people. Um, and so some of them are social cues. One of the big ones is like bringing food to the, the D&Ds. Uh, so just down a first right off the bat uh, question for the three of you, and I'm just going to go in order of who is seen on my screen where. Uh, do you think it's okay to bring food to a table? And why and why not? What would be the goods and the bads of bringing food to a D&D or... Uh, you, Liz, you said you played something besides D&D. What's the, what's the system you play? Yeah, so I am a forever GM for Dungeon World, which is more of a narrative base. Yeah. So anytime that we play, it's like a potluck. We It's dinner, lunch. We all bring everything that we want to eat, snacks, because it's kind of a marathon session. Um, sometimes we can play up to eight hours. So if, you if you're not allowed to bring food to the table, that would be very bad. Nice. Okay, so jumping, jumping over to the wave, because you're next on my camera. What's what's your thoughts on food? Good, bad, uglies. <clears throat> Me or him? I'm completely missed. Dweeb, that's you. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, so I'm with food. Uh, I used to not be because people would either be sloppy, especially when I brought on my homes. But then finding you have the right group of people. And it's right. more organized, and you have people who are respectful, then it's a go to. Uh, I used to be the DM that would buy pizza, bring chips, make stuff, wife would make cookies. So, and it kind of enlightens the field, especially when people come in and they know, hey, we're if we're running late at night, you could let them know you don't have to grab dinner. You can come here. We have dinner ready. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. And last but not least, JP. What about you? What are your thoughts on foods on food in a social situation like that? Well, I mean, nobody wants to be around somebody that's hangry. You know what I mean, or <laughs> or anything like that. I guess, it, I guess, to an extent, it, you it would just kind of depend on the time of day, the hours that you'd be playing. Like, if it's going to be through a dinner time, then maybe do more of a more of a food kind of deal but if it's you know 7 p.m or later or 3 p.m something like that leading into like a dinner deal it'd be more like chips and salsa or you know snacks you know more so than 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 full-on meals or big food kind of stuff you know i mean even if it's just a couple bags of string cheese or in the fridge you know and some crackers or something like that it doesn't necessarily have to be something like elaborate to where everybody has to have a bunch of plates and you got to do a bunch of cleanup you know if you're, you're, if you're doing a game and not a barbecue i mean there's no real reason to have a big beast i don't know what you're talking about every, every game <clears> something real of quick. course yeah, yeah it's a conversation not a not a turn order oh yeah all i was gonna say is players who are listening always keep your dm gms fed they might reward you later. See, okay. Even you, if it's you, a cookie. You bring, you bring up a fantastic uh, thing, which is bribe the DM, right? Um, so this is a joke usually at my tables. Uh, 
bring food for the DM, even if it's something small, that they don't necessarily have to eat there, right? Because honestly, as a GM DM, there's a lot of time where you're just talking and doing stuff, and you don't actually have a ton of time to shove food in your face. Um, so, yep. for some extra table mm-hmm. rules to make things A, more organized, and B, better for everyone, um, set expectations, right? Having uh, rules that are like, no yep. sodas at the table, they have to be somewhere else, so they don't get spilled on the miniatures. If you roll dice or someone flips the table because they get angry, whatever, you know what I mean? Make sure that you know your group and how they're playing uh, and what will happen. If you got a cat that loves to jump on things and slap things around, like, yeah, that's the random monster that jumps on the table from the time to time. Make sure your food isn't where the random monster can get it. Uh, this also applies for children and things like that. Uh, if you are having more of a meal, it is a fantastic way to structure breaks into your game and be like, hey, let's go have our pizza. Or, oh, hey, we can do whatever else, right? And you guys can have that social connection thing where you get to step away from the table. So... Focusing on that aspect, where you're not necessarily playing the games, um, what are your guys' thoughts and opinions on the importance of that time, where it's not, you're not necessarily gaming, but you're having, like, communal get-together times? So I'm going to start with JP on this one and do reverse order. Well, I mean, I grew up, uh, I mean, I grew up in, in AA, like, my, my dad quit drinking when I was very young, and so... You know, just like the AA meetings that would always kind of run, you would go for a while and then you'd have breaks where people would be able to go outside and, and smoke a cigarette if they smoked or get a, get a drink or whatever. And, and that was when everybody was talking and connecting to everybody, you know. So as long as everybody's OK with it and it's not in the middle of something pressing or anything like that, you know, calling time out or having breaks or being able to being able to kind of step away for a minute. But but not have it to where it starts getting unorganized where one person's having to sneak out, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody's waiting for them or they kind of disrupt the game because they're missing or, or however, you know, I, for a long time in my early twenties, I played poker and you couldn't, they'd, they'd outlawed smoking in the bars, but all card games, all tournaments and everything were in places you couldn't smoke. So then you're always trying to find the best time to run out there. And it never failed that when you came back in, everybody at the table sitting there staring at you because it's your turn and they can't do anything for you. So having a little bit of structure, but still like loosely having the structure is probably the way to go, I would guess. So you actually bring up a really good topic that is when someone is away, right? And now this is a big table rule. Uh, one of the things that I have found that I do not like in the, the D&D realm is some professional GMs will have what's called bathroom tokens. And I hate the idea of bathroom tokens. And they are literal currency that you get to use to use at the table to go to the bathroom. And it's supposedly to prevent people from uh, wasting a whole bunch of time playing on their phone in the bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. Like, in essence, it's a good idea. In practice, if you do this, you're a terrible DM, and I will not stop saying that. Um, Because uh, it's it's really disconnected. So I'm going to jump over to Liz um, as kind of a... Segue here onto this thing. What well, what's, what did your take on that short bit of information for that? I had like a visceral reaction. I saw. So I've right, worked as an international school counselor. <laughs> yeah. I work as an international school counselor for a long time, and you know I don't even like it when kids have to ask to go to the bathroom. So having adults have to ask to go to the bathroom during a game just feels way too much like you know school you know, prison. I don't want, I don't want my games to feel that way. I just want to have, you know, when, when I'm running my game, if somebody has to go to the bathroom, it's like, okay, we, you know, take a quick break, 
go to the bathroom, come back, no big deal. Now, so, what about yeah. a, a, what about in a professional <laughs> setting? You know what I mean? So if you're dealing with a client, this could also apply to you, JP. Right. Uh, how how is that best handled? Now, obviously, I know where I stand on this. Let the person go to the bathroom and come back and talk to them. But do you guys have like, hey, we have a forty five minute session. If you're not there for ten minutes because you suddenly had to use the restroom, how do you make up for that? For me, I, I mean, most of my clients know that you know we have that set time together. If they're going to have you know an issue, because I do deal with people with chronic illnesses, and some right. of those can you know be gastric, right. those sorts of things. So normally I'll just tack on a little bit extra on the next session, or figure out you know I'm flexible. But if you have to go to the bathroom, like I, I'm not gonna. Are you gonna pee your pants at the table or sitting across? Like I'm not gonna police bathrooms at all ever. Okay, good. Uh, you know we're all on the same track here. All right, Dave, you look like you had a couple things to say. I yeah sorry uh i actually have a oh go ahead oh go ahead oh go ahead so i actually have a a couple house rules for this one Uh since this is all about uh house rules as well uh so i have a house rule for when people are wanting to leave the table in the middle of the game let's say they're in a battle sequence the other players are talking to a big character and there's stuff going on but somebody has to get up and go and I know they're going to be gone for a little bit, I give them an option. And they know this way before the game ever starts. They either mm-hmm. have an option of player limbo or player autopilot. And what mm-hmm. the options are is autopilot is I take over their character for a small period of time until they return. And I play their character based on how they play their characters because I study it's a lot of work. So I don't recommend it for every DM out there. I study all my characters' player, uh, character sheets. I watch them how they play. I take notes on how they play as they're playing their characters. So if they do choose that option, I can play their character to the best role. But I do it in a minimum circumstance, meaning I choose the most least lethal circumstance that they could do to keep their character safe. Or they can choose Limbo, where the character's there, but decided to be mute for a period. Meaning even if they're in battle, it just kind of skips their turn. Their character, instead of fighting, runs tries to hide and leave the area and it, it kind of gives that balance to where players aren't having to wait for that character to come back in and start playing their character and they're not waiting 10 15 30 minutes it keeps the game rolling and then when they get back i just catch them up hey your character just ran real quick or you know they help dialogue the scenario and got them through and it usually works out very well i don't ever have players complain about it um I hate the tokens. I had to make that comment about that. I hate the tokens. Uh, I had a DM that did that, and I, I I threw the tokens back at him. And I said, if I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm just going to go, just take over my character. I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't, I feel like that's just too much of elementary school. Like, mm-hmm. if you're all grown adults mm-hmm. playing a game, just get up and go. Everybody's going to respect it. Nobody's going to get mad at you. And if somebody really does, then it can be worked out at a later date. Um, so, so I'm going to come back as for, for the second. original question. No, oh, original question. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the original question was, is like gatherings, uh, mm-hmm. meeting up, stuff like that. Um, online, I did this a lot. Uh, Snow, who's been in the chat, knows this. I And Rick, you've seen me do this when I run my games. I like to meet up with my players at least once or twice a week, get everybody together. And online, it's more of just social chatting. It's for everybody to know each other because obviously not everybody online is going to know each other. In person, 
Uh, I play Magic the Gathering or we'll do movies. I'll invite all my players over and we would do stuff like play Magic, talk, hang out. I'll order some pizza or maybe we won't even have any food. Uh, I got a VR system. We've done that before with a group, but I'll get everybody together and get them in a social interaction. So they have to kind of like you put them in that field where they get to be more comfortable to open up. Mm -hmm. Nice. And that's that's the best place to do, especially for you GMs who are out there running in-person games and you're worried about players not liking each other. Find interactions that don't involve those games. Don't involve your tabletop. I'm not you can do things like bring the journals in, have everybody bring their character sheets, talk about it, go over rules together, or anything to help the situation. If they don't want to yet and they're not comfortable, then find an activity that gets you all comfortable enough to want to chat and get to know each other better. It resolves a lot of issues. Sorry. Yeah, I, I also find that having that meal time. So the way that I structure my games is we have game time, meal time, which is, you know, an hour or two mm -hmm. where we're just socializing. And then if we want to go back to the game, we're at a natural stopping point. But we can also go back to the game for as long as they want to go back. So having that food is so social for humans that I think that really opens things up for those connections and those conversations that normally wouldn't happen in a game. And when we go back to the game, it's always better. Yeah. So jumping over to JP to jump into his expertise. Um, how do you handle the, uh, or how would you suggest you handle the, the separated bits when you have a, a significant other that may or may not be at those social settings? We'll say for the first scenario, they're not there. And then we'll do another one where they are there. What's what's your suggestion on that? How's how's best to handle it? And we'll say for the one that they are there, they're amicable. <clears throat> uh well, if you're in a social, you know, you got to have your own life. Like, if you get lost in a relationship of any sort of any kind, whether it's you know, if you give up your personal space and the things that make you happy. Now, I'm not saying like having common interests and doing things together isn't isn't healthy, but you still got to have your me time. You know, if 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 gaming is how you decompress and and that's your self care, then you don't necessarily need to bring your significant other or girlfriend or wife into it every all the time. If it's something that they're into and it's a common interest and, and it's and it's fun, then then by all means. But so that would be on the side of, of not having them come. You know, it's kind of the weight of of, you know, and even if you get if they if they're into it, they're into it. And it's a common common, you know interest and and they, they both have fun but if it's something that they're doing to appease you if it's a game setting you know like like the games uh it's not fair to everybody else because you got somebody who's really not that who's probably just there to make you happy or 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 be a part of your world or whatever you know which is not a big deal all the every once in a while, but if they're there all the time, but they're not really into it and everybody else is, then it's not really fair to everybody else that's playing or if that's passionate about it to have somebody who's kind of here nor there, you know, they're, they're not putting in the same effort and, and they don't have the same level of interest in it. And so you kind of have to weigh those, 
those those ups and downs you know what's what's respectful and fair to to the other people and what is something that maybe stays as your time you know what i mean right okay i mean that that totally makes sense to me on that line though there is quite a few gms and dms especially for more uh in-person games is where i've seen this more often than not uh is the relationship ban right some dms hey you got a follower thank you appreciate you um sometimes we don't uh allow people to be in relationships right or we have a high tier suggestion if you guys are playing at the same table don't date right don't come in dating don't right. don't don't start dating after we hang out for a while because if it breaks or splits up the table's gonna fall apart and some dms just can't handle that drama because it has killed plenty of tables over time i mean there's plenty of games that never come back because two of your four players uh got into a big tiffy because you know someone did something they weren't supposed to um right so, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? The, the the banning of relationships in the game. Personally, I don't care. You know what I mean? As a, as a GM, DM, as a professional, and as a friendly player, if two of my players get together, cool beans, if they start there and are playing together, that's where we as a business focus a lot of stuff. We love having families play together. So, having a relationship ban just mm -hmm. makes zero sense for us as a business. But I do see that sometimes it can be an issue. On personal experiences and whatnot, it's happened, but it's never been detrimental into the world kind of things. So, uh, starting with Liz, what are your what are your thoughts on that kind of rule band idea? So my partner plays in every game with me, but I GM, so no sort of partner band. We a lot of our friends because we're international are also international and kind of come in couples. Um, so if we kind of did that, we wouldn't have any sort of games to to play in person. I have noticed that sometimes if there's conflict, even if it's just friends, it doesn't have to be a couple, that that can come out in the game. And if you're skillful about it with their characters and with what you're doing, you can actually sort of diffuse that a little bit during the game. Um, sometimes they notice and sometimes they don't. But, you know, if you have to, if there's conflict and you have to take a second and, you know, have to have that conversation with them i think it's important to really talk about it face on and not you know put it to the side because if you're not dealing with that conflict right away it's going to seep into everything else and that's when it becomes you know a table breaking thing so before i let anyone else answer i gotta i gotta tag onto that because that's an excellent expectation setting thing right because relationships do change mm -hmm. right if you're not going to ban it outright and say it's not allowed yada yada um Having those important adult conversations with your players as they're going on and be like, hey, you're flirting a lot at my table and it's not with me and I'm getting jealous. Or sometimes it is with me and I don't want to deal with it. Um, but uh, being able to talk to your players and see where they're at on things, whether it's their interpersonal relationships or their uh, you and them relationships, uh, is going to be excessively important for these table rules, right? Uh, letting the the expectations we talk about this a lot in our stuff is is paramount to keeping a good game. Um, all right, that's all I had to say on that. So I'm gonna let everyone else talk. JP, I'm gonna jump to you, and then we'll we'll get Brandon last there. I would, uh, you know, if it's a deal where you, I wouldn't ban it. You know, everybody's adults, and if they if they want to come as couples, or be a couple, or become a couple, or whatever that's life but if you can have 
non-judgmental communication and be able to have difficult conversations you know mm -hmm. if you're running the game and you and you notice that a couple of them are for whatever reason right wrong and different you know bringing outside stuff into the game or into the group or into you know and the energy is just off then you've got to be able to to just be able to communicate with the people and sort of dissect it and be and kind of go from there i guess it would all depend on situation to situation but open communication and probably setting rules that you know what's going on while the game's going stays while the game's going and if you got outside bullshit going on then it needs to stay outside like, <laughs> like that that's good if you if you're mad that they if they if you're mad that they didn't pick the kid up at the right time and you're and you're been stewing about it all afternoon like check that check it at the door because that's not what you're here for and if you that's what you're going to be bringing to the bringing to the whole night and everybody's to everybody then you know stay home <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> sort that out before you before you drag a bunch of other people into it because nobody else is showing up and and spending their time to be to have a horrid night watching two people fight over some stupid stuff that they weren't even a part of you know gotcha okay so here's a here's a question and a follow-up on that would you say it is your responsibility mm -hmm. as an adult to take that step back uh and purposely remove yourself from tables when you know you're having a bad day or bring it up with your partner or other person ahead of time so they kind of like see where your head's at it would you you would like to think that people could do that and that more people could do that but if 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 you're not accustomed to doing that <laughs> odds are you're just not it's not even in your your forefront of your mind like you you're telling yourself that everything's fine but everybody else is sitting there like no <laughs> something's up you know what i mean yeah. so it's it'd be nice if people did it more often but it doesn't happen as often as you'd like okay so again kind of on the same follow-up on this because this is this is important social cue stuff especially for gms uh, is mm -hmm. it appropriate for a GM to bring that up to their players, especially if they're not the other half of the equation? If it's, I would say that having open communication in any social setting is probably as important as anything else in life, whether it's, it's at work, you know, your boundaries are your boundaries. Communication is important. And obviously two people spiting at each other or something's going on to ruin the night is crossing everybody else that's there, their boundaries, mm -hmm. because they're not a part of it. They didn't sign up for that. They signed up to go and, and get babysitters or have have their kids taken care of. I mean, they signed up to go out and, and let out a deep breath and have a good night and, and enjoy their, their afternoon, night, day, whatever. They didn't sign up to be drug into some... Yeah, they didn't, <laughs> yeah they, didn't, they didn't sign up to be drug into some, like, some outside deals, so... You know, if you have the if, if you can set those kind of boundaries early when you're when you're starting the game and getting grouped together and just saying like, hey, man, if, you, if if anybody brings in anything from the outside and it starts dragging into a night and and everybody's kind of having to deal with it, like I'm not above pulling you to the side and telling you to, to figure out what's going on and figure it out. You know, whether whether you need to go home or the other one needs to go home or you guys need to go outside and have a a difficult conversation about whatever's bugging the one side of you. But 
and it, and it could, doesn't even have to be in a relationship setting. It could be just, you know, two people who maybe, maybe one felt betrayed or disrespected from the time before and that they've been stewing on it for two weeks. And then now all of a sudden it's starting to come out. Like if you're in charge or everybody has a clear boundary rule that if, if something's going on, it's going to be addressed by everybody because it's not in the dark everybody's dealing with it already so right bring it out in the open and it'll, it'll go away but if you don't address it it's gonna it's just gonna get worse right i mean that that totally makes sense and, and i would have to also tag on there before we let brandon speak uh is that it can apply for a positive social interaction too right you might be grooving too well with each other at the table like you don't need to chill with the cooties you know what i mean you just take a step back and right, have a conversation right, right. uh so it's okay if, to bring if, you, it up. if you're in a relationship and, and you're sitting there playing like yeah you, you maybe don't need to to go with the honorifics real thick and the <laughs> constant touching and and all those things you know what i mean like like everybody's there you know nobody's there to watch your guys's love story unfold either you know I'm there as a GMDM. I'm there for that. That's 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 the best. No, just kidding. Brandon, what you got? What's your opinion on this? Uh, there's not really a whole lot to add after those two just <laughs> talked. They hit a lot of good points. No, um, truthfully, I mean, I agree with Liz and JP on every point they came out. I mean, honestly, it's all facts, and I believe that hard conversations, whether they like it or not, if they're at your house they're online with you they're at that game already them coming there already brings their problems there if they already have them so if they didn't mm -hmm. want those lines crossed to have those hard conversations they should have just let you know hey we can't be there this week or i can't be there or this is going on um i do to some people if there's two issues between two players whether it's couples friends acquaintances whatever they are if they're not ready to talk about it yet before I kick them out of the game and tell them, hey, just give it a week. I give them an option to get it out through character. Yeah. Um, uh, and a therapist that I actually played with before, um, four years ago is the one who gave me that, said that if two of your players are always having an issue, give them an option to take it out on each other in character. And I use, And I've only ever had to do it once. And lucky enough, it worked. It was with a couple. They were having issues that day with each other as something financial happened. And I walked up to them before the game started. I pulled them to the side and I said, look, I said, we can do this two ways. One, you guys can either just go home, take care of your differences, come back, you know, when everything's settled. Or two, how about you guys get past it and we have your character's duel. I was like, in game, your guys' characters already had an out for each other because they're kind of rivals. They're both rogues. One was a swashbuckler. One was uh, an assassin, and they didn't like each other because the past they chose. I was like, why don't? That's a we can justify them dueling each other. So they did, and by the end of the duel, they were both laughing and hugging, and they were just fine. They ended up making fun of it. Um, not saying that's for every situation, and I'm not saying that's for every GM to try. Um, because it can get you into a bad situation as well. Right. But as right. long as with JP and Liz are saying, um, 
always have those hard conversations, no matter how nervous you are to have them. If it is your game and it's making other players uncomfortable, always have them, even if you know that you could lose that player. Because it's better to lose a player and you can be able to fix that later than lose a whole game and not be able to fix any of the situations that you have. Because I have done that mistake before for not speaking up. Well, even so, I would say even if you're just a player, and you and you notice something's and and something's not right, or two are getting at each other, or it's just you know, don't be scared to tell the GM and be like, "Hey, man, you got to address this because it's you know, <laughs> like it's not it's not one thousand percent only up to the GM to make sure that the game is going to well, yeah. run smooth and that everybody's having a good time." You know what I mean? And so if if it's a situation where maybe the GM is kind of hoping it's going to go away on its own or or smooth itself out, you know, get through that week or or whatever the case may be, you know, a little nudge from from one of the other players isn't out of line, you know. Well, and on <laughs> on that note, sometimes teams yeah. are just busy not doing dealing with the personal side of things. They're worried about <clears throat> the numbers and how many goblins are going to be in the next room. And the silly little voice that they've been practicing all week so they could sound like uh, Sean Connery doing something or other. Uh, you know, those silly Just things, Just for right? a crack and make fun of yourself, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Yeah, do, practicing doing your wife's voice all week long so you can be a funny character that is funny. Yeah, I've done that one before. Can't do women's voices. It's terrible. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, to kind of jump onto the hard conversation topic. Uh, a big bit in the TTRPG community is uh, they call it a security sheet or a safety page or something along those lines, right? A no-no slip, whatever they call it. And lots of GMs and DMs use these tools to uh, avoid traumatic experiences on their players. Uh, us as a company, we don't necessarily have a official one that we hand out to people, but it is part of our interview questions. That, like, hey, is there anything that we can't bring up because it'll be bad for you, so on and so forth? And then we have an open, hey, if something bugs you, tell us immediately so we can fix it or avoid it or retcon things or, you know, right? Being responsible in that matter. Um, for you guys' industries, do you guys use something like that with your clients? Specifically to Liz and JP, Dweeb, you can answer this for your table. I, because I come from, you know, the mental health background... Um, I have a pretty big informed consent, meaning like we're going to go over everything that can possibly happen in our relationship as a coach, you know, and a coachee. And this is what it's going to look like. And like, if you are unhappy with anything that's going on, please feel free to say so. If I notice something that you're not comfortable with, I'm going to bring it up, you know, so it's really important to have those informed consents and making sure that everybody is comfortable to be able to speak their own truth and say, advocate for themselves when something isn't going okay. Um, and that's something that I really work on with a lot of my clients. And so in our relationship, that's something that they get to play out in a safe way. And it, it happens in my games as well. If I have people that I don't know very well coming into my games, I have sort of a little questionnaire about what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? Anything that you would like us to like not ever talk about that might be triggering for you. And that's just really helpful when we come into the first session and I'm like, all right, guys, here's where the setting is. These are the things that are off the table. Please do not bring these things up. And then it, it you know, most people respect that. I've, I don't think I've ever had anybody not respect that. So it's really important to help people stay comfortable that way. 
Nice. Okay, jumping over to JP, what about you and your business? I am... It's not like... Well, so mine... I'm an advocate for healthy co-parenting. And yep. I'm pretty upfront. I mean, I'm less likely to run into people that have like like a lot of the same kind of triggers that Liz's clients would have and, and the people that she works with. Um, I empathic and I can kind of get a feel for most people's boundaries and what are going to be hot buttons and this and that but I'm also a pretty blunt and straightforward type of a personality and so if I'm not your cup of tea then I typically you know I'll just be like I'm not the guy for you you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push you down and make you feel like crap but also I'm pretty upfront in the fact that like working with you as an objective person to better your situation but really i work for your kids because the only one that's going to lose is is the kids in the whole situation and so like if you're looking for that rah rah fault oh you you reacted to them yeah you know then go go to your friends because that's what they're going to tell you but i'm going to look at your situation and be like you're engaging you know what i mean like if 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 they're pushing your buttons and you engage and you guys have a 30 minute screaming match in the McDonald's parking lot, instead of you getting in your car and going home and saying, you know, I, I refuse to be spoken to like that. I'm not going to tell you you're in the right because you're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yep. I don't have like a, like a, like a, like anything, but I'm, I'm up front with people and I, and, and mm -hmm. I, I let them, you know, it, it takes a little while to get them to the point where they, they understand what their boundaries are and what kind of boundaries they need and, and how to hold those boundaries. And I don't push people's boundaries, but I will push them out of their comfort zone. And I'm, I'm not going to tell them that they're in the right if they're not in the right. Okay. And most people are okay with it, but I, but I, I don't <laughs> maliciously do anything to anybody either. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I like to imagine we're the exact same way. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna tell our stories and do our things up until someone has a, we'll say a very negative reaction. And if we do, we kind of address that in right. something that we call the after action review. We do that in basically everything that we do that goes over the good, the bad, the ugly. And if one of those the ugly things pops up, it's something we can address socially, so we can play again in future games without hitting those uh, keynote bits. Yeah. All right, Brandon, what you got for us? What's your, what, how do you do stuff at your table? So obviously can't give a really professional thing like they do. Um, I'm just picking on you guys. Uh, you guys actually, I love your answers and listening to you guys is actually helping me a lot. Um, online, there's not a, I don't really have a platform for online. I usually just ask people and that's it. But in person, I get really more in depth. Uh, I, because I run in-person games because they're more private, I run kind of like R-rated tabletop D&D mm -hmm. &D games. I put them to the max. I I don't put, there's never rape in a game. There's only been one scene ever in one of my D&D campaigns where there was. And it was only because I knew it was okay from the rest of the players. And they walked in and they had to save this woman who got kidnapped by bandits. And that was like kind of a scene. And they saved her. But I always put out, it's a sheet of 20 questions. And the questions range from, are you okay with 
if a child dies to all the way down to are you scared of spiders? And I have each player fill it out. It's just a yes or no question. If I, even if I just get one yes, that they're not, or one no, that they're not okay with that being in the game. Later on, I go through and look at their answers and I'll retype out a list of these are what you, this is what you should expect in the game. This is what you know won't happen. And I'll print it out for everybody so they have it. So the expectations are already there. <laughs> that they know, okay, let's say one person checked off, they don't want to see kids die in the game. Obviously, you're not going to see it, but... Right. So uh, mm -hmm. the expectation will be there that they'll see on the paper, okay, well, that's not going to happen. We don't have to worry about seeing it. I, I like doing that because, especially in today's day and age, you have a lot of the pronouns and, you know, people can be very, and I'm probably going to get some hate for this, can be touchy with that. Mm -hmm. um, or very uh, temperamental. Right. From what I found. Right. And so that's part of my questionnaire is making sure that you follow those boundaries and you understand your player's boundaries before you go into the game. If you don't take that time to do so, you're going to cause problems for the game, for other players, and then for yourself. And it's just going to keep going down the line. Um, so always have a checklist. Always keep things organized to where you know what you what you what your players would like. And including for you, don't ever put anything in a game that will make you uncomfortable as well. I've seen other GMs do that where they think something will be really cool, but it's out of their comfort zone. And by the time they do it, they don't want to run the game anymore because they killed their drive to do it because they did a certain scenario. So always be careful. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, just, so, I want to just jump in. Go ahead. I'll, let, I'll let you talk first and then I'll, I'll throw my two cents in. Okay. So I run Dungeon World, which is much more player based. So I have like an outline and, you know, I run the game, but they do a lot of the work. So whatever comes out of their mouths is kind of what's in the game. So making sure that you have those boundaries set up at the very, very beginning is really, really important. I also run a lot of R-rated games. Most of my friends are, you know, into that kind of stuff. So we, but we've never had a problem because we talk about that that first session like hey guys we're not going to go this this far right please don't go this far and everybody mm -hmm. seems to respect that boundary so it's really important for different systems to have you know even more firm boundaries for things like that so to tag on. yeah um especially for something like sorry rook i'll let you talk thank you to tag on to that uh something that you did bring up that is super important you got to share it with your players too right it's important for the gm to know but if Player number three does not know that player number one is deathly afraid of any kind of spiders. And they're like, I'm going to be a drider because I love driders. They're going to have a bad day. Um, you know what I mean? They're going to have to completely rebuild their character that they've worked a month on just, you know, because they don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. Or they won't care and there'll be conflict off the bat kind of thing. So sharing those no-nos as soon as they come up and making sure everyone understands that, hey, this is a no. We talked to, about pronouns. Right. If you have someone that is sensitive about their pronouns and can't take a, a they instead of a he or whatever. Uh, letting the rest of the table know that this is, hey, this is a hot button topic. Please be careful. Right. And then addressing the players that have those issues and being like, hey, look, people are going to be people as long as they're not being malicious. I ask that you, you know, forgive and forget kind of thing. You know, what I mean, and, and that's OK to ask people of those expectations to be like, look, I need you to be a little forgiving because these people aren't trying to be mean. They're just good scatterbrained you're playing a female character and you're a dude or you're a female playing a guy or whatever it is right 
I miss my players gendered up all the time because they play a, a mixed gendered character. You know what I mean? Uh, that uh, gets me. Uh, I uh, I have to apologize all the time for that because I'll be like halfway through the story and be like, you know, I've been calling you he for the last ten sessions and you're definitely a girl. Uh, my bad. <laughs> Um, so, as a GMDM, don't be afraid to ask A for forgiveness on goofing up when you goof up, and B, making sure that everyone is kind of on the same page for that. So, not to cut the topic short, but I'm going to move on to our next question to kind of keep it rolling here. Um, but we'll start with Brandon this time, since you've been last to talk the last couple times. Um, so, fun other table rules. Uh, we talked about the R-rated a couple times, so let's talk about the gore settings that are okay in your guys' games and stories, right? Um, what is a typical line that you guys draw for your stories? JP, for you, what would be an imagined mm. line that you would put uh, up? Brandon, you're first. Let her rip. Where's your line drawn? Where's the sand? Uh, is it the ocean? <clears throat> so... This is the one thing that, okay, so I, we do a lot of heavy role play. Mm -hmm. And I even mean on my end for that role play. Um, when it comes to gore, uh, unless the players, there's really not a line in my games. I, I, I hate to say it, but there's not, uh, the line doesn't get drawn until a player tells me there should be a line. Like, um, so, like, as a DM, I'm trying to figure out how to put this, especially for player deaths. Player deaths, I, and I told you about this house rule outside of this, um, I have my players roll privately to me their death saving throws so none of the other players actually know what's going on. Some players really hate it. Some players really love this idea. But even though I had players that didn't like it, I kept that system because then it makes those players, oh, should we use our spell? Crap, are they living? Crap, are they dying? And then it sucks because I had this one player who cast Healing Word on this character who thought was still alive. They didn't know they failed all three. So they cast it and realized nothing happened. And in the scene, the big bag grabs his head and picks him up and lifts him off the ground and takes a dagger and rips his whole head off. And leaving this the spinal cord. Yeah, and leaving just the spinal cord as the rest of the body hangs there and he throws the body to his friends after he used Healing Word. So like when it comes to the gore aspect of it, some people might be grossed out by it. Some people, um, like I said, the, the, the children thing is might be the line, I guess, because some people don't like hearing children dying or pets dying. But if that line's not there, I will go all out to gross my party out. How dare you? And I'll get into as much detail as I need to yeah, I've been playing for that specific scene, and it'll get <laughs> Jumping over JP. So that's my intake on it. Well, I mean... I come from a place and grew up in a place where, like, we kind of anything went as kids. But my my grandpa was a government trapper. We hunted my entire life, fished, camped, 
rule, you know, Central Oregon, rural Oregon, now rural Montana. I work in construction, do the do the co-parenting coaching. I don't watch a ton of TV, but you know, I I listen to a lot of Neil Gaiman books and he goes into pretty 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 detailed stuff in some of his books that are that's pretty graphic but i mean i get that i get that you're probably emotionally attached to your characters and stuff and so it probably makes it a little bit different just from that kind of standpoint or you're 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 emotionally invested into the game and these characters and and what's going on and so it makes it a little harder to to stomach or to sort of intake but you know reading the witcher books and and these and those things it's it's still imaginary life you know so uh i wouldn't i wouldn't think that i would probably have any sort of rules nice okay uh, that's that's good to know honestly uh jumping over to liz what's your take doc yeah uh unless like i said unless somebody has told me beforehand like hey not this we we kind of go into it um and again the players you know, in a dungeon world game, we're very, they, they kind of take the reins a lot. I had a game, so I, we kind of have some, some R-rated, some X-rated stuff that goes on in my games as adults. We had one, one character who decided that they were going to have a magical item that was a cape, and it was a sex appeal cape, so she got to, like, seduce people, and, <laughs> but if she failed her role, then it all went bad, and she could get raped. So we have those kinds of things, and she loved it. I mean, she played that with that cape so, so hard. Um, and everybody was, was perfectly fine with it, and we, we had a great time. But if somebody had said, I don't want rape in, in this game, this is not okay, and she was like, I'm going to have this, like, we would have come up with different consequences, right? Because she was like, oh, this is going to be the consequence. And I would have been like, let's have a different consequence for if you fail your role, right? Just so that we're not making people uncomfortable. And it would have been fine, too. So. Okay. Well, I mean, that those are those are great lines to have. So I got one more set of questions to get, go through. Uh, and then we'll do our little outro funness. Um, so the other big table rules that people have uh, really consist of like mechanical based, uh, how rules are played out and things like that. How would you adjust to a completely different set of rules? So like going from GM to GM or table to table, what is your biggest takeaway or suggestion for people that are doing that transition, uh, to adjusting to those new rules? I'm going to start with JP this time. Well, it's like anything else in life. Uh, you change jobs. You have to adjust to you know my daughter's mother and i split up and i had never been a single father before and i had to uh, pivot and find my new reality and create my new reality as 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 a single dad and you have to let go of like say like a past game the way that it's ran you know that you might have things that worked well that you enjoyed from that game, but it would be like jumping to a different relationship. You're still bringing baggage from a game to a game, 
or isn't any different than bringing baggage from a from a relationship or a job you know what i mean like little triggers and just because you enjoyed it from this game or it worked out well for you doesn't mean that it fits into this new game dynamic that you're that you're going into and so having an open mind and not sort of being pushy trying to turn your your new situation or your new game or your new reality or the new uh community of players that you're you're engaging with not trying to to push them into being what you had you know what i mean and so compromise give and take communicating you know if there's there's certain things that maybe you you absolutely don't like or that that don't work well for you, you know, then bring it up, you know, and, and, and have the, you know, the talk with whoever and the communication, because maybe a couple other people kind of feel the same thing about certain areas that are, that's going on, you know, but as long as you can, as long as you can sort of take the emotional part of out of anything and have a conversation level-headed and calm and be able to just say what you need to say but also be open to listening to what somebody else is saying back typically you're not going to run into a lot of issues or it's not going to blow up as as much you know i mean obviously like you're not always going to going to find the solution or it's not always going to be you know bubble gum and rainbows but depends if, on the system if you can yeah, but if you can communicate, you know, and 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 maybe maybe they don't maybe it doesn't turn into something identical to what you had or what you're looking for, but maybe they can compromise enough to where to where it's not as bad or it's a, not a huge deal or you can you can work with it and and pivot and adjust and and move forward, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be my highway from either side. Solid, solid advice. So GMs, I hope you're listening to <clears throat> that applies to you just as much as any new players. Um, your new players are going to have their own baggage and experience and being able to compromise to where it makes sense for your world and your table is of the utmost importance to making people feel welcome. So don't, don't forget to, uh, to do that. All right, Brendan, what you got for yours? Uh, so I got something for GMs and for new players, um, new players always window shop. It's kind of the best way I put it. Try out a bunch of other GMs. Don't just do one. Uh, there are plenty of GMs who run very short games just to get people a feel. Find those type of GMs. Go through a couple of them before you decide what's your niche. Another good thing to do for players, and uh, a lot of GMs don't recommend this for their players, but I do. Read the rules of the Dungeon Master Guide or the core rule book. And, under and go in there with the understanding that those rules can be adjusted by any GM. I need you to talk and to make Yenger sure that you follow up with your GM. You need to talk to Younger. Convince him into that that last uh -huh. statement that the rules can be bent and changed. Yeah. <laughs> he would argue with yes. you right now. Yes. Uh, any every rule, uh, including like so edition, like I play a lot of 5e. 5e, literally the whole system was designed to be changed and adapted. 
by every GM, meaning you can take out rules and add in rules as much as you want. It will never break the system. Um, and I do a lot of that, uh, depending on the system I'm running. Um, I will take out certain rules because I don't feel like it will fit the game that I'm going to run for these players. Or maybe I'm running a whole brand new game for a whole brand new set of players who've never played before. So I take out a lot of the complicated rules and make things a lot more simple. And then later on, I'll explain to them, hey, this is stuff that could happen. And it's good for you. This is the part I for GMs. If you do take out rules or you are trying to build a better system for players that you're not used to playing with, explain to them some of the rules. Sit down with them and have like a meeting about it. Don't be afraid of scaring anybody off. If somebody gets scared of the rules, then maybe they're just not a right fit. And there's hundreds and not thousands of players nowadays. Tabletop games have grown. You'll always find somebody else. So just do that. Kind of make a checklist. Let them know what rules you're changing. Let them know what rules could been implied. And explain to them so that way when they do make it to the next GM, if they decide not to stay with you, they have those they don't have as high expectations. They know things could be different. So it kind of goes for basis on both players and GMs. And for your veteran players, cradle the new ones. Walk them through. And because I know a lot of veteran players who don't, they kind of run over these new players and uh it's it's best that you guys kind of sit back and let them have the shining light for a little bit and help walk them through it solid advice i appreciate all of that that's exactly what i would say <laughs> so jumping over to liz to finish up this question yeah i think coming into any new situation where you're not in your comfort zone can be really hard adapting can be hard but we have to remember that being open-minded and, and trying new things is kind of the biggest part of TTRPGs, right? You're there to have an imagination. You're there to be open. You're there to, to play this character that you aren't in real life. So don't get stuck in a rut, right? And this is true for real life as well. If you find yourself stuck in something that, you know, you notice you're doing the same thing over and over and it's not feeling great and it's not feeling great for the people around you, maybe it's time to be open to something new. And that it can be scary for people, but I think TTRPGs are a great way to start opening that and learning how to adapt and learning that resilience because it's a safe space to do it. If, you know, you mess up your character, if your character fucks up, it's, you know, you're not taking out $10,000 of credit card debt, right? So it, it's a really good space to practice that adaptability and that openness. So I would say go for it. There's, you know, not a lot that can go wrong as long as you're genuine and authentic and just trying. That's fantastically said. That's a great way to end this bit. So we're going to go into our uh, star guest little pitch time at the end here. So uh, Liz and JP, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, and then I'll do my little spiel and tell tell the people about the events we're doing, and then we'll wrap it up for tonight. So, Liz, I'm going to start with you. All right. So I have just launched my coaching business. I've been in the therapy business for a long time. I'm kind of pivoting more into coaching. I'm also a yoga therapist, so I'm working with people who you know, are trying to get to that next level, people who are feeling like they're not worth enough, people who might be dealing with some chronic illnesses trying to move forward in a way that is authentic and that feels good, but isn't, you know, something that you've been able to reach yet. So if you want to look me up, I global, I deal with expats. I've been an expat for a really long time now. So 
I can help you deal with a lot of those issues. Also, if you just want to, you know, meditate or do some yoga, follow me on Insight Timer. I do a lot of stuff over there for free. And yeah, like to yeah. hang out with people. Website so. or anything like that? Yeah, innerevolutioncoach.com. And I have all my socials under Inner Evolution Coaching or Inner Evolution Coach. So. I was going to say, we tagged him a couple times on our feed this week. So if you find our post from this week, that's yeah. where it's at. All right, jumping over to JP. What you got for us? I have been coaching, doing the working on myself. You know, most of the stuff, the issues that I was running into as a co-parent was more me than the co-parent, which... You know, the constant, yeah, any mistake that could be made, I was, I was making or doing or all that stuff. And so it's healthier, it's less stressful, it's easier to find a common ground and be able to communicate and have open communication. But it all starts with you. You know, you got to leave the pity party, as I say, let the relationship die and grieve it before you jump into something else. Quit engaging, be able to set boundaries, um, which is the three biggest issues that most people have. And then it should be more common for people that are raising a child to at least be able to be civil. And there's something to be said about being civil and, and not talking shit about each other, or putting the other parent down, using the kid as a spy, using the kid as a weapon, holding the kid hostage if the other parent doesn't you know, pay their child support on time or do what you consider to be appropriate for them to be doing and, and these and those. And so I, I help people. I answer questions. I, I read about six, 60 books a year on average about early childhood development, mental health, psychology and whatnot. But, you know, if somebody wanted to reach out or has a question or see if it's a fit to maybe work with me and stuff like that. Uh, I do most everything through Instagram because I'm not a huge proponent or fan of social media. I don't really have a big presence. And so to me, it's, it's mentally exhausting and emotionally draining to go on social media a lot and do a bunch of these things, unless it's for a specific person. I don't like getting caught in the, the ang endless scrolling trap. So that's about the only place you're gonna find me it's <laughs> on instagram okay cool and uh like like i said before we've tagged him so you'll be able to find his instagram <laughs> on our post um and i should have a link to it in this video for those of you watching it on youtube later you have to go searching around everywhere for it because i'm nice and add links to things uh <laughs> but uh jokes aside gonna jump into our uh our stuff uh, so we have a big event tomorrow. We're doing a pop-up, or not even a pop-up, an actual bazaar at Monroe High School for you locals in Fairbanks. Uh, it'll be a big event, so please check us out. It goes from like 10 to 7 or something silly. It's it's a long. I'm going to be there all day. It's going to be great. Um, that's this weekend. Next weekend we'll be at the Bentley Mall uh, for two days in a row, Saturday and Sunday, uh, before Halloween. I don't think they're doing candy this year officially, but there might be candy there, so bring you chitlins. Um... I think they're allowed to dress up, but it isn't mandatory. So don't, if you don't have a costume, don't uh, don't freak out. Um, our code for the month for the website to get 10% off basically everything that we actually sell is uh, Spooky907, capital S, lowercase everything else, Spooky907. 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that we need to go over that would be important, but I would just say hop on our Discord and keep an eye for updates there. Star guest and Dweeb, thank you guys for being here tonight. I do appreciate y'all. And I will bid you adieu. Go ahead and dance to the outro music. I'm gonna have to dance as a joke. How the drop. <laughs>